Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us here on this Sunday, May 21st. Um, exciting uh, day for me and my family. My son, uh, youngest child there, graduates from high school this afternoon over at the uh, Waverly High School. Him and nine others from our, our congregation are, are graduating. Fun times remembering and, and thinking about him and all the years growing up in that. We also have exciting things happening in the church. We have Vacation Bible School starting June 4th. Uh, through the 8th. It is going to be a great time. It's every evening from 6 o'clock to 8.30 here at the church. Jerusalem Marketplace is what it's called. They're going to transform the whole church into Bible times and tell the story of Jesus and through songs and crafts and Bible stories. It's going to be great. Hopefully you can register your kids. The, uh, the link and everything is there on the church email if you'd like to register them or call our church office and let us know. Exciting things happening there. And uh, today is our first Sunday when we are doing our services at 9.30. We uh, went and shifted to a summer worship schedule. And so uh, we now just have one worship service every Sunday for the summer months. And it'll be at 9.30 here. And uh, hope that you can come out and join us sometime for worship. Boy, we got some good singers. They sing and lead us in some great times of worship and praying together, just checking in and seeing how people are doing. We even have uh, coffee and donuts before the service now in the summer. You know, I mean, I don't know. We do all these things to try to get you to come, but we're just thankful when you do. And it's really just a chance of fellowship. And um, God is really working in our church and our community uh, these days. We're excited about that. And it is good to be together. So Sundays are a wonderful day of the week to spend time with him and with his people. But I am glad that you've joined us online today. And uh, we are on week four of our five-week series on growing in Christ. And, and I have tried to uh, pick scriptures every week that help us think about this topic and what it means to grow up and how God grows us as Christians. And, and I began uh, with Colossians 2, 6 and 7, where it says, just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue now to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thankfulness. And uh, like I said, you know, today I think about growing. I think about our grads, my son, uh, his graduation this afternoon. And yesterday we had a party uh, for Matthew to celebrate this moment and this step in his life. And and Carrie, she decorated really well the area where we were having people gather. And she put photos of, of Matthew on the wall for people to see just how he's grown. She had baby photos there of him when he's four years old with a tie on she had. And, and uh, had growing up years at Hamlow and Wiss and to beginning middle school and then up to high school. And then the last photo is his senior picture and and I look at that and I think, man, he is a man, you know, and I think about how he has grown and how he used to fit right here. <laughs> and now he is a man and not just in body is he a man, but he's a man in, in knowledge and in faith and we grow. 
I did a wedding uh, just on Friday, and and as I watched the groom walk in, you know, uh, groomsmen all behind him, and and then you know the the bridesmaids, and then here came the bride, and and the groom stepped forward to take her hand, and and I watched the two of them walk up, all nervous towards me, who was officiating their wedding, and and I thought of the day twenty plus years ago when. When that was me, when I was nervous, I was in the place of that groom, and Carrie was that bride, and I, I think of how the years have passed now, you know, and how we have grown from kids just starting out in our relationship to now having a family of our own with some gray hairs and some life experience. Uh, I, I hold Carrie's hand today, and there's, it's so rich. And there's so much more there from those years and those growing up times that we've had. Growing is a part of living. We never stop. We continue to learn. And even from our mistakes, we grow, we change. And, and that is how it is also in our faith, in our relationship with Christ. I came to faith as a child, but over the years I have read the Bible. I have, I've had many different people teach and mentor and parent and grandparent and pastor me. And, and God gave me many experiences that have shaped me. Mission trips, youth groups, small groups, conferences, seminary, jobs, good times, bad times. And they've all been opportunities where His hand kept on making me. And growing me a little at a time more into who he is and who he had made me to be. Well, continuing on in that theme, I've come up with a scripture for us today. From 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, if you'd like to follow along. It says this. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who's called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his great and precious promises, so that through them you might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My old youth pastor used to say, Christ accepts you just as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. 
We are saved, you know, not by our good works, the things that we do. We are saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on a cross. We come to him just as we are, repenting of our sins and believing in him. But after we come to Christ, we need to know the goal he has for our life. For he not only saves us from our sins and prepares us a place in heaven, but he also begins a work inside of us. At our salvation, he puts the Holy Spirit in us and he begins to build in us something. New love in our hearts. He gives us his word to guide us in a new life. Every day he goes with us in it to work on us and build us up. One, uh, a life, you know, a better, better character. One that knows him as father and lives in his peace and his purposes and his ways. I love all the restoration shows on TV, you know, that begin with this rusted out piece of junk that they find in some field, you know, abandoned and and they take it home and the guy begins piece by piece to take this car apart or whatever and clean each piece and restore and replace that which has been lost in it over the years or fix that which has been broken and, and rebuild that car or antique or whatever it is to the former glory and even better than it was before. I love those shows. At the end of the show... You know, you always get to see the reveal, this thing just shining and the transformation that has happened. It's so amazing to see the care put into every detail. The thing that at first looked dead and had been lost, covered in weeds, no longer running and just in someone's backyard or junk pile forgotten. Now it is given this new life and shining in all of its glory, running again like it was made to. The sound of that engine starting up after all those years, broken windows replaced, new tires and seats and electronics and paint, all the parts put back together, fixed or replaced, and the car now has this new life again. I can't help when I watch those shows but see the connection in that to what God wants to do in me and in us. For in Christ, we who were lost and dead are now found. And he not only accepts us, but begins to work on us. And day by day, with great care and detail as, the, as an artist, God begins his work. Year after year, that which is broken in me is fixed or healed or improved. And what is all rusted out over is sanded and polished. And a new engine and a new heart and new power makes me alive again. And I love those restoration shows, how the guy restoring the car he has this vision and man he can see it from day one he's able to see in that junk pile that rusted out frame what others can't see just like our God can see us not just the mess that we've become but who he has made and whom he loves and what can be again and every day he faithfully works towards that vision until it is completed in this grand reveal as we are welcomed into the eternal kingdom of our Lord. 
You see, this is what God wants to do in us. Not leave us broken where he found us, but take us home and restore us day by day. Peter is talking about that in our scripture for this morning. And I got three things I want to point out for us to think about in it. First, Peter at first wants us to see just how valuable our faith in Christ really is. In verse 1, the very first verse of his letter, Peter says of our faith, it's more precious than gold. He writes and opens with his name. He says, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he says, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus have received a faith as precious as ours. And that word precious in this language means incredible value. It means priceless. Again, continuing with the analogy of those restoration shows, the person who finds that rusted out car or antique that is in someone's barn or field, they can see past the rust and dust and broken parts to the value in that thing that others can't see. I was just watching American Pickers, and this, this guy had in his barn some old frame of a hundred-year-old bike, and it was, it was just buried and dusty and even broken, laying there behind a whole bunch of trash. And if I would have come across it and seen it, I would have not seen anything other than junk. But the host knew exactly what it was. It was a buried treasure. He knew how rare this particular bike was and how he had never in his life seen another and probably would never again. And so he offered the owner a huge amount of money for this piece of metal. And the owner was beside himself. He didn't know what he had. The host did, though. He knew the value of what was hidden behind the clutter. And Peter is talking about this same kind of thing in our scripture. He's reminding the people whom he is writing to of the incredible value they have in knowing Christ. And how, come, uh, how they have come to, to see the truth of Jesus as their Savior. And they, they have this relationship now with God to know God every day. To have His hope in their hearts. To be loved by Him. To know uh, that when they die they're going to go to heaven. All of this together. Their faith in Christ, he is saying, is more valuable than gold. It is the most precious thing they own. It is priceless. They maybe don't realize it or treat it as such. They maybe neglect it. But it is the frame upon which the rest is going to be built. That faith is a gift of God. And not everyone is blessed to have it. But they do. And Jesus gave his life for them. He saw how valuable they are. And so he died for them. And they know that. They know God, they know His Son, and have a righteousness that they could have never attained on their own. They are sinners completely forgiven. They've got hope. They've got life. The Jews had been straining and striving, and Peter, one of them, 
for righteousness through a law that they could never obtain no matter what. They had no way to pay their debt. But these blessed believers in Jesus, Peter again, one of them, now have a righteousness through faith in Christ. They're able to approach and talk to God and know him for the first time in their life. Peter is saying, do you realize what you got here? It's priceless. Their forefathers of the Old Testament, I mean, only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies and just for one day and no one else and that priest only there for one day a year and still not even really know God in the way that they get to know him personally through Jesus, that relationship through the Holy Spirit every day of their life, to know his voice, to know his ways, to know his love, to have his peace, to know the hope of heaven, to know the joy of fellowship with him. Peter is saying, you guys don't realize all you got. You're neglecting it. You're treating it like an old piece of junk in your garage, when in actuality, this frame is worth more than the whole house. Your faith is the greatest thing you own. It's the most valuable part of who you are. To believe in God, don't you all see it? He's saying, nothing you have, nothing you cherish, no job, material thing, house, car, nothing in your life is more valuable than your faith. Second thing, though, he says here is so important is when Peter says of God, that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. This verse is saying that through our daily walk with Christ, we don't need to worry about a thing. We have everything we need in him to live the life he has called us to and to be godly doing it. In his power at work in us, it will accomplish his will. He will do it. It is not by our might or our strength, but by his spirit, says the Lord. I love the scripture in Acts 1 where Jesus has risen from the dead and he's about to ascend into heaven. But before he leaves, he tells his disciples, including Peter, that they're to wait in Jerusalem until they receive power from on high. And then, Jesus said, they'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth after they have received the power to do so. These guys were going to accomplish everything that the Lord had trained them to do, but they would do it not in their power, but his, through the Holy Spirit that he would give them. And that is the same it is for us. We don't fulfill the purposes of God in our life without God. Everything he calls us to do, he will equip us to do. You have everything you need to do everything he wills for your life. John 15, 5, Jesus said, abide in me and you'll bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When I see broken things in me, when I see character flaws, when I see trials I'm going to have to walk through, when I see tough stuff and I don't know how to proceed, when I have tasks or jobs or to speak to somebody about Jesus, I can enter all of this knowing that I have been given his power to live the life he calls me to. He will see to it. I may not know the way, but he does know the way. And he walks with me. I might have a lot of fear, but he will help me overcome. 
I might come across rivers, uh, but he can part them. I might face giants or deserts or valleys, but he will overcome and carry me. I can't, but he always can. What's impossible with me is possible with God. We see this truth come out in so many Bible stories. And so what Peter is saying is what he has learned in his life is that everything we're going to need to live for Christ and do what he's calling us to do and be who he's calling us to be, Peter is saying we already have it because we have Jesus who goes with us and Jesus is all we will ever need. If you have Christ, you have everything you need to live a godly life. Paul said in one of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 4, he said, I have learned how to be content with whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever I need to grow in today, whatever the character flaws I see, what I need to be able to do the job that he's called me to do, what I need to be Carrie's husband or my kid's dad or pastor at Bethlehem or whatever, everything I need for life and godliness I already have in Christ. His divine power is at work in me. I should never say, if only I had this, then I could. Or if life had dealt me a better hand, I'd be different. Or if I had a different upbringing or a new spouse or a different job, or if only I had their gifts, their money, their education, then I could. No, we do not need to compare ourselves to another. For the Bible promise is for everyone. His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of him. Look at what you have, not at what you don't. Then the last point I want to make from this scripture is that Peter says, we are to participate in the divine nature. That word participate means that the Lord includes us in the work he wants to do in and through us. He's still the one who does it, but we participate with the Lord in the changes he wants to make in us. We partner with God in what he's doing in and through us. We do that through obedience. We do that through prayer. We do that through reading God's word and learning. We do that with others in the church who help us, encourage us, challenge us. The Lord over our lifetime is transforming us, but we participate with him. We surrender our lives. We stay humble. We make every effort and Peter mentions seven specific things that we should make every effort to add to our faith. Things that God wants to do in us. The first one he says is make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Goodness means an excellent character. Now Jesus said that there is no one who is good, not even one, only God. And so we know that goodness in its purest form is not something we can do by ourselves. It's only something that Christ can produce in us and change our heart. But we participate with him when we let him change our heart. The Holy Spirit will convict us of wrong and prompt us to do right. And when we feel that nudging to care about that stranger, we take that one step in doing so. 
when we feel His Spirit prompt us to think more about ourselves, our spouse than ourselves, and to get up off the couch and to serve her, God is working on us. We got to go with God in that. He is shifting our focus. He is changing our nature. He is making us into someone who is more like Him. When we love our neighbor and do good to our enemy, when we hold our tongue at work instead of saying that thing that we would rather lash out and say, a little more goodness is growing in our heart, a little more Jesus. And goodness means honesty. It means a life of integrity. It means being the same person alone as we are in public. It means loyalty. It means humility. When I think of goodness, I think of the goodness of God. I think of how faithful he has been to us over the ages and how often we have been so unfaithful, and yet he stays faithful. I think of his holiness and his call for us to be holy. I think of how he loved people. You know, we don't see a lot of the holiness in the world today, a lot of goodness, but the Lord asks us to be different from the world, to be like him. Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to be like God. He then says, into goodness, add knowledge. This is the second thing, add knowledge of God. And you know, I love model trains. I love Chicago Cubs. I love going to Israel. And, and I notice that the things that I love, I love learning about. I know in our church, Craig loves the Civil War. And Kevin and Wade, they love fast muscle cars. And well, when you love something, you read about it. You learn about it. You watch TV shows about it, you know. And, you know, if you can't do something, you find someone who knows how. And you ask questions. And you figure it out. And well, Peter is saying, add to your faith knowledge of God. Spend time with people who know God. Spend time in God's Word. Go to Bible study. Be at church. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and the things that He taught, in the ways that He lived, in the things about life that He shared. Grow in His wisdom. And then he says, to knowledge also add self-control. Self-control is, again, a fruit of the Spirit. It's the ability to say no to temptation when it comes, seeing the value in self-denial, for not everything that we want is good for us. Sin is never good. So self-control is denying our flesh and its wants and not giving in to our feelings at times, you know, our desires. And it can be in little things. It can be, I don't need another cookie. You know, I don't, I don't need to buy that thing, you know, um, to bigger things like, I am not going to take another drink. I refuse to look at that website that's only going to cause me to lust. Or I'm going to control my anger. I'm not going to, you know, um, lash out and ruin everybody's night again. It's self-control. It's resisting the devil. The flesh is strong, but the spirit is stronger. Don't forget that. Galatians 5.16 says, let us live by the Spirit and we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And that is a promise. It's not a command. If we walk by the Spirit, we will overcome. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And He will always provide a way out for you that you can stand up under it. This is God's promise to you from Scripture that in every temptation, He's going to be there and He's going to be faithful and He won't let you be tempted beyond what you and Him together can overcome. And He will always provide a way out for you. 
but we participate with him when we take it. He will lead us all the way up to there. And then we got to take it. To self-control, Peter also says, add perseverance. Perseverance means the ability to not give up, to not walk away when it's hard, but to hang on to Christ and endure and be patient and to, to suffer for the sake of the good stuff that's coming to those who wait. We all need perseverance. One thing that helps me with perseverance there are all the miracles in the Bible that took so long to complete. I think of Abraham and Sarah who waited 25 years for God's promise to be realized in a child born to them. I think, you know, after a month or so, I would have thought God had abandoned me, you know. But they waited 25 years. I think of Moses and the Israelites. They suffered 400 years in slavery and then 40 years wandering in the desert before reaching the promised land. I think of all the prophets who lived hundreds of years, you know, feeling so very much alone, like they're the only believers left in the world and no one was listening to them. How did they keep giving the messages? How did they keep serving under those situations? But most of all, I think I think of Jesus who endured so much suffering under the hands of sinful men in a cross that he came to save them and they continued to lash out at him. And all he did was care for them and they treated him so badly. How did he endure it all? How did he persevere to the cross? Because he loved them. And he could see this was the only way to truly help them. And that one day they would see that. And I, I remember these stories in my moments, you know, when perseverance is required. To perseverance, Peter then says, add godliness. Godliness means piety. It means devotion. It means spending time with God and worship and in heart and prayer life. It's the daily little stuff that we give our Lord. Our heart, our hands, our feet, our mouth, our ears, our attention, our offerings, our service at church. Maybe not doing anything big, but small things that God sees, a heart that is truly His. To godliness, he then says, add brotherly kindness. And this means just not being rude. It means showing mercy to other people while driving <laughs> or other areas we've tempted to lose it. It means being a good Samaritan. Seeing people on the side of the road in need, seeing a refugee family who could use some help, seeing a person who just lost their mother or spouse and taking the time to stop by. It's it's small act of kindness. At home, it might be gentleness with your family, or doing something nice for someone at work who didn't even ask. You see, all of these character traits Peter's mentioning are traits of Jesus who he was and what he did. And so that is what's being said here, that our God is wanting to grow us in our life into Christ-likeness, into the goodness of God, the knowledge of our Father's will, into self-control in our temptations and perseverance in our sufferings and godliness in our example and kindness and compassion towards those in need. And, and then the last one of the seven that Peter mentions is the greatest. It is love. And specifically, Peter uses the Greek word agape for love here. Agape means divine love, not human, selfish, feeling kind of love, but a love like Jesus, God's love. And we can't give that until we first receive that. We first have to accept His love and grace and forgiveness into our life, and then we love 
Now, as he has loved us, we lay down our lives for others because he laid down his life for us. We forgive us. We have been forgiven and we put others above ourselves because he put us above to serve instead of being served. This is the divine love and it can only come from Jesus. This is what God has shown you in Christ and what he now wants to grow in you. We participate with him. And I see this. Boy, God will put me in in my life, you know, people to love, and I'm going to have to deny myself to do it. But this is how he's growing me in this, you see. He will put people in my life who show me this kind of love, and it's going to humble me and remind me of who he is and what he has done and how he has loved me and all of my faults. And, and this is so important that we receive and participate in the love of God, because if we don't, we're going to perish. We're going to perish in a sea of our own bitterness, hate, selfishness, lust, and greed, and we're going to die alone. But if we know Christ and truly see him on that cross for us, if we know our and how much he still loves us and receive that love deep into our hearts, spreading to all of our sense of worth and identity and pain. It's going to heal us. It's going to break our cold stone hearts and turn us into something better. There is nothing as powerful as God's love. We love because he first loved us. And Peter now ends this scripture with verse 8, which says, if you grow in these qualities in increasing measure, they're going to keep you from being unproductive and ineffective. And this verse really speaks to me because in all my efforts, in all of my service to God, if I don't have these attitudes and personality traits of Christ at work in me, then I will be unproductive and ineffective in my work. My rudeness will keep getting in the way. My impatience or lack of self-control will keep tripping me up. Who I am inside matters. Just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm just a resounding gong and clanging cymbal. Peter is saying, your faith is the greatest thing you have. It's priceless. And his power has given you everything you need for your life and godliness. And so make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and divine love. All that we find in Jesus. And in verse 10, he says, if you do these things, you'll not fall. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Christ accepts you just as you are. But he loves you way too much to leave you there. He can see who you're meant to be. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.